I'm Laura Herberg, and this is Curiosity, where listeners ask questions about everything Detroit. Pack your bags, because we're about to go on an island adventure. Take a one-day island holiday. Bablo Island was an amusement park located in the middle of the Detroit River. The park had roller coasters, stuffed mascots, and carnival games. But part of what made Bablo so special was that it was only reachable by boat. Two large steamboats, the Columbia and the St. Clair, ferried passengers there, providing another memorable part of the experience. After being open nearly 100 years, the island park closed down in 1993. Utica resident Ed Van Slambrock has fond memories of Bablo Island, but he also has some questions. I want to know what happened to the boats. I want to know um, what's going on with the island. Is there anything left of the park on the island? Some Detroiters may be surprised to find out that the island where the Bablo Amusement Park used to be located is in Amherstburg, Ontario. It's located across from the southern point of one of Metro Detroit's own islands, Grozeal. These days, you can only get to Bablo Island by private boat or car ferry, but the ferry isn't currently open to the public. Luckily, Dave and Melissa Buzeo run an Airbnb on the island, and they've agreed to take me over for a visit. I meet them at the ferry dock. Hi! Dave? Hi. I'm Laura. Hi, nice to meet nice you. Nice to meet you. I have coffee on my lap. But... Oh, my God! <laughs> Like the hospitable Canadians they are, Dave and Melissa brought me some Tim Hortons. I hop in their car and wait for the ferry. We've just missed one, but they come roughly every 20 minutes. From where we're sitting in the car, we can see some buildings on Bablo Island. After the park closed down in the 90s, a Detroit developer tried to turn it into an exclusive residential community. While some properties were built, he didn't get very far before going bankrupt. Ownership of the island was transferred over to Dominic Amaconi, president of Amico Properties. Today, about a third of the island is covered in private residences, and more are being constructed. It's like a gated community where the gate is the Detroit River. Amaconi's company recently rebranded the island as Bois Blanc Canada. Bois Blanc is what the island was called before it became Bablo. It's French for white wood, a nod to the birch trees found on the island. What do you guys refer to it as? Bablo. Yeah, Everybody that, pretty much up, says yeah. Bablo. In what feels like no time, the car ferry pulls up to the dock. It's an open-air vessel that looks more like a floating piece of concrete than a boat. An employee waves us forward, and Dave pulls his SUV onto the ferry. Okay, we're off. We are uh, we are cruising through the Detroit River right now. About four minutes later, we're pulling into the dock on the other side. We get a friendly wave from the ferry operator. And we're on the island. We drive up a paved road and then turn off to the left to explore what's still here and what only exists in memories. We're surrounded by fields of dirt and overgrown grass. But Dave and Melissa, who both visited Bablo Island as teens, can picture much more. Do you guys remember, like, what was here? Or does it kind of all blur together? That one roller coaster that... Um, oh, along here was, was uh, the Sky Street? Yeah, yeah, it was, was along over here. here. 
Yeah. So it was a long one with the hills? Just hills. It didn't have the uh, it had corks. the drops. It, it just had drops. Yeah, it didn't have a corkscrew. It was pretty right. much straight out and then straight back um, and fast. Uh, was that, all yeah, on so this side. Over here. Yeah. These rides and all the others are completely gone. But there are some structures left over from Bablo's amusement park days. One of them is the dance hall. It's a tall, arched building with glass windows covering the front and back. It's almost like a miniature stadium. And it's so unique. Like, where do you see a structure like that? You don't. The dance hall was commissioned in 1913 by Henry Ford and was said to have been one of the largest dance halls in the world at the time. Bois Canada is looking to find a developer to restore the building and give it a new use. What I would say would look amazing if they redid it is like if people used it as a hall, if you could have weddings in there. But it's just so beautiful. It just needs some love put back into it. Other remnants of the amusement park days are the theater, the bumper car building, the boat dock tunnel, and bathrooms that look like stone churches. Some relics on the island predate the amusement park, like a block-shaped building from 1839 and a lighthouse from 1836. We get out of the car to trudge through the snow and take a closer look. Yeah, so now towering in front of us is the remains of a lighthouse it uh, has crumbling white paint and a window a couple stories up. And it looks like it maybe has lost its top, I would guess. We got a bunch of trees off to our left. You can see the river up ahead of us. Dave tells me that there are white sand beaches on the island nearby. Just beyond those uh, bushes there. Nice, yeah. I think it's kind of surprising how um, natural the island is. Like how much woodland area there there is here. Yeah, they did a good job of maintaining uh, the nature part of the island, um, which attracted a lot of people uh, for that reason. You don't want uh, it to be too commercialized. We head back to the car and drive to the north part of the island. It's covered in about 150 properties, condos, townhomes, duplexes, and single-family homes. It looks like a subdivision where the houses weren't all built at the same time or by the same company. They sort of have a um, Victorian, Georgian style to them. Reminds me of Nantucket. Yeah, like uh, like Nantucket, Martha's Vineyard, or uh, down in the, the Carolinas. There's lots of wood, shingle siding, and gingerbread trim, a couple cylindrical-shaped rooms, and towers. The coned uh, peaks and everything. Other properties are more contemporary-looking with wood and stone siding, and a couple homes are in the middle of being built. And this is our cul-de-sac. We're pretty much right in the center of the island. Dave and Melissa's property is one half of a gray and mustard yellow duplex. It was built in 2017. Inside, Melissa describes the home as... Modern, cozy, um, warm, inviting. I love it. The main floor includes a high-ceilinged, open-concept kitchen, dining room, and seating area that leads to a covered patio next to the woods, where Melissa and Dave say they sometimes spot deer. In the bedrooms, there are white linens, tufted fabric headboards, and basket pendant lights. The basement boasts a bar area and a gas fireplace mounted on the wall. The color scheme for the Airbnb is a palette of gray and beige. We named it On Island Time. 
we had a hard time choosing a name really and then uh we did that was your choice it, it was i liked it it was yeah good. It, i kept shooting down everything that he said but uh no it's perfect it's fitting Melissa and Dave don't live here. They live in LaSalle, Ontario, a suburb of Windsor. Their neighbor there owns a couple places on Boblo Island, and he's who got them interested in purchasing their own spot. They bought this place as a vacation property in 2021 and eventually want it to be their retirement home. They started hosting it on Airbnb in May of 2022. They say it got off to a slow start, but since then, it's been pretty popular, with entire months fully booked out. Do you guys get guests who are aware of Boblo Island who come here because of the history? Yes, yes, for sure. So we will get messages like that. Like, I used to come to Boblo. Um, I'm so excited to be there. But Dave says even for guests interested in Boblo, there's more to do here than just reminisce about the amusement park. This summer we went uh, uh, paddleboarding. We bought paddleboards, went paddleboarding. But there's so many other things. Just this fall, we experienced the very tip of the island. Uh, we took our golf cart to the very tip, and we saw all these little tiny beaches. People made uh, fire pits with rocks that they found, and it was a whole different experience. Is it sad at all that you know what was once an amusement park is now a residential community? Um, I think it's sad in the sense where we tell our kids this is what was there. And for them, they say, oh, I wish it was still there. Yeah, it just, it brings back a lot of memories. Yeah. And I don't know if it's sad memories. It's just good memories. They uh, Obviously, the memories have all brought like a smile to my face. It, it, sure, it's sad that, you know, what, once was is not is no longer but we have a place on an island and we made it happen and we want to share that with with other people right so that's not sad no, <laughs> that's us. not sad so that's not no. sad <laughs> for people like us and the whole community that enjoy Boblo, to be able to come and see something amazing happening on this island it's we're like, wow, what's that going to be like in another 10 years? It's changed, but it's changing for the better. And it's um, having an Airbnb here is allowing people to come over and say, oh, my God, look at what's going to come. Look at what this is going to turn into. Like the, the possibilities for this island are endless. On a crisp day in September, there's a small white tent erected on Boblo Island. It's covering a tray of meats and cheeses and other hors d'oeuvres. People are milling about drinking wine out of plastic cups. This is a party put on by Bois Blanc Canada to celebrate the completion of a new road on the southern portion of the island. The lots along the road are available to be purchased and built on. You can buy a lot. You can do it on your own. You can use us as a builder. We can refer a builder to you. We try to be as flexible as possible. That's Jenna Boshin. She's a Boblo Island resident and sales and marketing director for Bois Blanc Canada. Boshin says about 200 new plots are available here. Inland lots with no homes on them will start at about $400,000 Canadian. When you're looking at waterfront lots, they're starting at about $715,000 to a million. So it sounds crazy sometimes when you say that because it's for a lot, but if we just turn to our right right here, the view itself makes it make sense. The view looks out onto the center of the Detroit River towards Grosse 
There are a few narrow strips of land with trees and bushes on them, left over from the dredging of the Livingston Channel, which made way for the passage of ships. Boshin has lived here for about 10 years and says it's almost surreal, like living on a set. And if you've ever seen this, the Truman Show, it was always like too good to believe. You're like, when's the curtain going to come down? That's what Boblo is. You're like, how can this be real? Some residents have wandered over from their houses on foot or on golf carts to celebrate the grand opening of the new island road. Kerstin Schneider is one of them. Schneider, who's originally from Germany, has lived on the island for about three years and says she loves it. You can do as much as you like or as little as you like. You have a lovely marina if you want to get into boating, or paddle boarding, bocce ball. A lot of the neighbors get together and do cards and little wine tastings. And then, of course, there's snowbirds that get away in the winter, so it's a little bit quieter even in the winter than in the summer. Shelley Michaelis and her husband moved over here from a waterfront community on the Canadian banks of Lake St. Clair. She says for them, it's almost too peaceful. It's a little bit quieter than we thought. We thought it would be similar to where we used to live, and it is, but it's more nature here and more quiet. Even though you got the city, right, like right there, this is more isolated, but it's very convenient. It's, it's very interesting. It's uh, exciting. Um, you know, it's, we've, it's always a story to tell. That's another resident, Warren Scott. He's originally from South Africa, but immigrated to Windsor in 1976. He says he used to come to Bablo Island when he was a teenager and even met his first girlfriend here. Years later, he says he was working for the company Lear Canada when flyers about living on Bablo Island showed up in their boardroom. Like, this is 2000, and these, the homes were first, they were doing the development, and the homes were going on sale, and they were just so expensive and out of reach, and I was like, oh my God, I could, it looked like paradise. Then down the road, an opportunity arose for Scott to move to the island. Got in, timing was perfect. I, we, I sold when the market was high in Windsor, and uh, there was an opening here. And here I am today. It's kind of funny how it worked out. Realistically, not everyone can afford the current price of admission to Boblo Island. But that might change in the future. There's a shuttered restaurant next to the marina that Bois Blanc Canada plans to get redone. Once the new restaurant opens, the ferry will become open to the public for a $10 ticket. A spokesperson for Bois Blanc says this could happen as soon as the summer of 2024. If you're itching to get to the island before then, you can do so by taking a boat to the marina. If you don't have access to a marina-worthy boat, you can do what my plan was before I found out there was an Airbnb on the island. You should be able to drive to Amritsburg, and then if you can find a place to launch, you can paddle a kayak or a canoe across the Detroit River to the White Sands Conservation Area on the island. And if you try this... Let me know how it goes. All right, everybody, in just a little bit, we are finally going to answer the second half of Ed Van Slambrock's question and let you know what's up with the Boblo boats. In answering that part, Ed and I actually got to step on board one of the ships. We'll take you with us in just a second, but first, we have to take a quick break. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. 
The ships that ferried passengers to Pablo Island, the SS Columbia and the St. Clair, were grand steamships built in the early 1900s. Both boats were retired and sold in 1991. The SS Columbia was designated as a National Historic Landmark in 1992. She's currently being restored in Buffalo, New York by a nonprofit that's working to turn her into a venue for culture and history docked in New York City. As for the St. Clair, she was purchased by a local doctor named Ron Catu in 2007 for $250,000. Catu's team had been gradually working to renovate the ship when it caught fire in 2018. Here's a clip from WDIV's coverage of the incident. But right now we want to get back to this breaking news from Detroit's marina, where a piece of Detroit history going up in flames. The Detroit Bablo boat is on fire right now. Our Nick Monticelli arriving there on the scene, joining us live out on the water. Uh, Nick, what do we know? So unfortunately, we don't know a whole lot right now, but obviously you can see right behind me the Bablo boat there is in flames. I did talk to the deputy fire commissioner here in the city of Detroit saying that this is already a defensive attack, meaning there is absolutely no chance that they are going to get on that boat and try to put out this fire. For this episode, Ed Van Slambrock and I went down to Riverside Marina in Detroit to see what's left of the ship. And spoiler alert, the fire did not destroy her. What stands in front of us, floating a few feet off the shore of the Detroit River, is a mostly white ship and the skeleton of four floors and a rusted smokestack protruding out of the middle. Each of the St. Clair's floors is nearly 13,000 square feet, and she's kind of shaped like a fat almond. Ed looks at the Bablo boat with wonder. Literally, I didn't know if one was still around. So the idea that to be able to walk on it and see the, uh, the, the, the bones of my childhood is amazing. We've come down here to tour the ship. Thanks so much for meeting with us. Oh, no worries. That's Stephen Farage. He's owner Ron Catu's brother-in-law. Farage is also the restoration project manager for the St. Clair and part owner of the ship himself. Can we check her out? Yes, we can. Permission to come aboard. We walk across the ship's gangway, the movable wooden bridge that connects the shore to the boat, and we step onto the St. Clair. She's one of two passenger excursion steamships left in the country. So that's kind of a little cool fact. Uh, Her maiden voyage was 1910. So older than the Titanic. Yeah, and we're slowly but surely rebuilding her back to her glory. While she's being restored, there are no plans for the St. Clair to sail again. Farage says the ship will remain parked next to a yet-to-be-determined dock. But uh, one of the reasons we plan on keeping it a dockside attraction and not floating it up and down the river is because we really want to preserve the steamship aspect of her. So everything on here is steam powered with no backup. Your rudder motor, your anchor motor. So if we were to repower this vessel, there would pretty much be nothing left of the original engine work and mechanical work. So it wouldn't really be the same ship. It wouldn't be a steamship anymore. It wouldn't be, uh, it wouldn't be the Bablo boat. We begin walking along the main deck. The St. Clair has been stripped down to her bare bones. The metal beams that hold the floors above us are rusted. The vibe is kind of warehouse meets construction zone. She's slowly being put back together. Faraz gestures to the ceiling. So most of the steel and all of the lumber you see above your head is, is new since our fire that we had about three years ago. Faraz says the fire was caused by a welding accident. Luckily, they'd already removed many valuable pieces from the ship. 
like brass railings, stained glass windows, and some mechanical parts, and put them in storage. But even so, Farage says some relics were burned. There's some stuff in like the grand foyer and the mahogany staircase that we lost that we would have loved to preserve, but most of it was very rotted. You couldn't even walk on these floors before, and you can now. Um, from an engineer standpoint, she's in better shape now than she was before. The goal now is for the ship to look how it did back when people rode it to Boblo Island. So the main deck is going to have the same gray steel floor, your concession stands, your restrooms, you know, the blue railing, um, looking down into the engine room, everything you had before. You'll go up to the next deck, you'll have the dance floor and the DJ booth, just like it was, the mahogany foyer and bars on the other side. Um, and then for that, just think your, you know, your business parties, your private parties, your weddings, your public parties, your before parties, after parties. Um, you know, just think constant dancing. I was five. I don't think I was allowed to dance. Last time I was on the boat, I was five. My family used to come twice a year, and I was definitely young, but that didn't stop me. I was definitely on that dance floor. So, uh, And when I say my family, we went twice a year for like as long as I can remember. And we're Middle Eastern, so my family met 50 people. You know, you're talking aunts, uncles, cousins galore. Oh, you um, took over the dance yeah. floor. And we, pre that, yes, That's yes, great. sir. We'll see that dance floor later. But first, I notice a rusted metal structure in the center of the boat. So this is where the, the steam used to come out of? Yep, goes all the way up to the top, and that was the smokestack. But what it's going to be, since remember, we're not going to sail up and down anymore, is we're planning to put an elevator in here to make every floor accessible to everybody. Oh, wow. That's what these giant new columns you see here are for. Um, added new structure to support an elevator install in the future. Down here, a little dark right now, but this is where the engine room was. Um, so this is where kids would be able to look down and they would watch the engines churn on both sides from these railings, and they'll still be able to do that. Like I said, we'll use electric motors to still make them spin like it's moving. We walk over to a large rusted ship wheel that's laying on the floor, chained to a post. This was not the steering wheel that would be in the pilot house, obviously, because that was much smaller. This stood on the very, very top deck in the rear of the ship, and the captain would stand by it. It was painted blue, and it was up there. Uh, we still have the housing that, would, that was actually around it, and we're going to refinish that too, and make this all blue again, and it'll go right back up there like it was. Yeah, I remember uh, being up and having the giant wheel and all the kids would take turns getting up to it and the parents would take pictures. Now we're going to head up to the second deck. This would be the main deck. So it's a little warmer because you get some sun, but... So this deck was where the infamous dance floor was. And uh, one thing right now with it all being open is this deck really lets you appreciate the size of the boat more than you can on the main deck with all the stuff around, so... You really get a feel for how big the vessel is. Yeah, right now we're just up and it's like, it's a big open deck and the there's no windows or sides. There's just some beams. So it's just like, you can see the view all the way around from this floor. So tell me what's, what's the dance floor gonna look like when you guys are finished up here? It's just like it was before. You're gonna have most of the, most of the woodwork around the dance floor was uh, mahogany. Uh, on this level, and you know, you had the grand, the grand hall or the grand um, staircase and everything that was over there with the mirror in front of it. It's all going to be there again. So um, just, just like you remember, just a little newer. We head up to the third deck. Up here, I had no idea because I was uh, young, like our friend here. But I, this was the beer garden, so this was a bar. So all those years that we were able to run around the boat freely and we thought we were so cool, this is where our parents were. 
Um, so this will again be the beer garden. It will be a bar. But in the front section, we do want to put a museum that um, highlights Bob Lowe and other other Detroit icons as well. So. Cool. And then what will the beer garden look like? Will, like what would the interior be? A lot of finished wood is the best way I can describe it. So everything was in wood and, and there was a lot of finished work, but nothing that we can't redo. This will be the last floor once we build it. And this is or up there? That will be the last oh, floor. Oh, there's going to be a floor above us? Yes. And then what's going to be up there? Well, the very, very top, previously you couldn't go up there. Um, it was a roof. It wasn't a floor. So only the captains and the crew could go up there. That's where the lifeboats were, all kinds of things. We are actually making it a, a floor now. So we've added structure and strength to it so that people can go up there. So the outer ring will still be off limits, you know, your lifeboats and all that good stuff. And then that middle part, you will be able to go up there, a VIP lookout, a hangout area. Well, there'll be like a bar up there too, coming off of the pilot house. And that'll be how you go into the pilot house and check out the pilot house. Um, again, where you previously couldn't go. So what's it like for you to be working on restoring this boat then that you used to come visit with your family? It's, it's amazing. I mean, it's an honor. It's, it's, it's a blessing. It's someone who doesn't want to spend every day on the river. Uh, I'm going to admit, it gets, uh, somebody has to be here all winter to make sure this vessel is safe. And I'm one of those somebodies, and it gets very cold, but it's still, um, it's adventurous, it's fun, and it, it you know, and it's, it's right up my alley, so I'm very happy doing it. <laughs> It's gonna be hard work though too. I mean, this is, this is a massive project. What is it like actually trying to restore this ship? Um, it's, it's a task. There's, you know, I mean, I had hair when I started. So I know this is radio and you can't see it, but I don't anymore. And then how are the finances going for this boat? Like, do you guys have any idea how much you've already invested in it? How much more you need? Um, I couldn't say how much we've invested to date. It would be a really large number. Uh, I can say that, you know, we are just a family and, and, you know, there's a lot of sacrifices that Dr. Kutu and his family have made to be able to put this kind of money into this boat month in and month out. So um, he does it. It's out of love for the city of Detroit and for this boat and for Bablo and out of the love for his children um, and wanting to leave them something physical. So... Uh, that's the motivation behind him financially um, putting his money into this boat. Uh, we do have uh, a GoFundMe and we do have a website. So at uh, BobloBoatDetroit.com, you can purchase um, like Boblo swag there, and that always helps us. As well as, I mean, you can make donations uh, there, and every bit helps. And you know, I, I, I just explain it as, you know, we want to get this thing done and we want to get it done for the people as soon as possible and every bit just makes it happen quicker. That tour happened last October. I checked in with Barrage earlier this month to get an update on the renovation timeline. He says they're hoping the public will be able to come on board this summer after they install handrails Next year, they'll begin electrical, plumbing, and finishing details, and he hopes the entire restoration project will be complete by 2026. If you enjoyed learning a little bit about the St. Clair and you want to know more, I highly recommend a documentary that came out in 2021 called Bob Lobo's A Detroit Fairy Tale. I was lucky enough to catch it at a theater screening, and even though I never got to go to the amusement park or to sail on one of the boats, 
I cried during the movie multiple times. It's a really well-done film, and there are still occasional screenings in the area, or you can also buy a DVD online and watch it that way. I had the chance to interview the director, Aaron Schillinger, in October. I'll put the link to that and to the film's page in the show notes. Also, a heads up, you can find photos from our tour of the boat as well as my trips to Boblo Island at wdet.org slash curious. You've been listening to Curiosity, a production of 1019 WDET-FM, Detroit's NPR station. I'm Laura Herberg, the executive producer of this show. I want to thank Ed Van Slambrock for submitting his questions. This episode was reported and produced by me with help from WDET intern Solina Robles. Mastering and additional mixing for this episode were done by WDET's Connor Anderson. Our music is by Will Sessions. Thanks to WDET podcast manager David Lyons for production support. WDET's digital team is Dave Kim and Sophia Joswiak. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcasting app. And while there, please leave a rating and a review. It will help more people find us. And if you have your own question about Detroit, you can always ask it at wdet.org slash curious. 